0: In this world, there are more stories than kangaroos in Australia. Some are arboreal, some are pests, some will happen to your heart, but they're all worth being down under. So, open your pouches wide and listen! Welcome to Fresh Town Stories, Episode 3, The Dan Kent Files, Eight Armed Robbery, Part 2.
1: (coughs) Where was I? Sorry, I had to stop. My toaster oven dinged, and I don't want my pizza bagel to get cold. So, I was knocked out by a monster while trying to find a star octopus. Oh, oh, hot, 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 Sorry. Why does cheese get so hot? Ow. Yeah, so there's a missing octopus. I traced it to the Zoyer twins, a pair of pickle pushers. Trying to find them, I got mixed up in this high-class world of adult olive oil fetishes. That about brings us up to speed. I awoke. In a small office. A small woman with dark green hair and large owl-like glasses blinked at me. She then nudged me with a stick. You're alive. Gut. She had a slight accent. Maybe German? What the hell was that thing that gave me the smackaroo? I asked from the floor. The woman walked over to the desk and took out a very old-looking clay jar from a drawer. She tapped the side.
2: That, my friend, is the pickle golem. A beast crafted by Rabbi Mendelwitz to protect the Jews of Sigeswara from pogroms. He used the secret words of Kabbalah and the pure brine of the hidden Tzaddik Moses ben Moses to craft it. It resides, when not doing the bidding of its master, in this ancient clay jar. Huh? I replied. That's cool, I guess. But who are you? Why are you doing this? I am Mina Zoya, the eldest of the Zoya triplets. I am doing this because you're poking your snoot in on my business. Wait, Zoya so triplets? I never heard of you. There's a good reason for that. The pickling trade is rife with misogyny and sexism. Pickling is a man's game. I think it's because pickles resemble the phallus. The idea of a woman putting her hands on so many green dicks makes men uncomfortable and jealous. So, I use my brothers as a front. They're playboys. I am the real brine behind this throne. And I need you to accept that Bosco the Octopus is gone.
1: Never, I got to my feet. If you want that briny golem to knock me in a knock worse, you do it. But I gotta solve this
2: thing. I'll tell you the truth, detective. I did steal Bosco. I didn't want to. I didn't like it, but I needed to. You see, the pickle business isn't what it used to be. Classic picklers like us, no matter how upscale, how gourmet, we're being put out by hipster picklers with wacky flavors like root beer garlic and cool ranch. What is that? Why is ranch cool? Is it the Arctic? People don't even like these weird pickles. They eat them ironically. So, I needed money. And all food vendors know, there's always someone willing to loan you the green if you feed his needs. He doesn't want money as paycheck. He wants something else. He always wants something else. Sex? No. Not that. Nor could I. Oh, these years, dealing in the brine houses has caused my genitals to fall out. It's a common problem with picklers. They call it plop crotch. A crude term for a cruel condition. Some time passed
1: as I processed this information. Then, so, uh, you mentioned someone who borrowed
2: money from... Yes! The man who took Bosco. Getting that slippery octo was payment to him. But who? I asked. But who? The words of a pervy owl. Stop stalling, sister. Franklin Bennis, the crazy billionaire. Now, people might not know
1: about Franklin Hot Frank Bennis, who was the lone heir to the Bennis fortune. So some backstory is needed. The Bennises made their money selling Bennis babies. Small figurines of children doing dumb things like getting stuck in a hole. Sticking their fingers into the holes or other hole-related nonsense. Some of the figurines can go for boku bucks on the collector's market, especially the very problematic little Oriental series. There's always some dumb collectors who enjoys collecting that crap. I say put it in a museum. Kick that museum into the sun. Sure, it's history. Sure, we need to be aware of it. But come on, sorry, but as someone who cares about figurines. I think the Bennis babies are treacly, just stupid. Not like Action Mike figurines, which is a porcelain porpoise wearing different military uniforms. Those are cool, but Frank Bennis didn't care about figurines. You see, Frank's parents died when he was seven, and it's in this tragic tale that Frank's madness began. His parents were leaving on vacation, right before his birthday. And Frank wanted to go to the Tears of the Jade Mermaid All-You-Can-Eat Buffet. He saw ads for it on TV. The images of all those dishes of food as the camera panned down the buffet line. It delighted young Frank. It even had a carving station. His parents tried to tell him it was just dumb buffet restaurant. They'd take him somewhere fancy, but he wouldn't hear it. He begged them to go night and day. Finally, his parents relented, said when they returned from their trip, they'd taken to the Tears of the Jade Mermaid all-you-can-eat buffet. But they never came back. Their plane was lost somewhere near Nauru. In his grief, Frank built up the idea of the buffet in his mind. He felt if he could just go there, everything would be all right. He could console himself in the eight flavors of pudding, the crab bar and the pick-your-own-topping Sunday roast station. Finally, one of the kids' aunts relented and took him. But the Tears of the Jade Mermaid All-You-Can-Eat Buffet was just a crappy buffet. The Kung Pao Chicken was dried out. The mac and cheese was watery. It wasn't this mythical land of plenty. It was just a cheap joint with peel and plaster and stained ceiling tiles. A long line of chafing dishes of betrayal. Now, most people who aren't billionaires would let this go. Move on with their life. But not Frank. He decided to find the greatest foods of the world and eat them. He traveled the world learning from chefs, wandering night markets, stuffing his pie hole with whole pies. He took all this knowledge and then bought a large plot of land on the top of a hill. And on this, he began to build a giant mansion. But it was no simple mansion, but his own version of the Tears of the Jade Mermaid All You Can Eat buffet, the one he'd envisioned. All those years ago, made real. The actual one he'd gone to had closed, but he bought the building it had been in, bulldozed it, and then put up a waste treatment facility on its remains. His personal Tears of the Jade, Mermaid, All-You-Can-Eat buffet, though, was stocked with the greatest food from all around the world, and always kept fresh, just for him. No one else eats the food. No one else but his small band of loyal employees ever sets foot inside. In fact, few had even seen Franklin Bennis in the last decade. Even those who applied for special loans, like Myrna Zoyer, only dealt with his moneymen. How could I get a chance to meet the mastermind behind this octocrime? I had a plan. But... I need the help of my hacker friend Keys Typewell Not his real name His real name was Bill Typewell They called him Keys Because computers have keys And he uses them to do his hacking I got Keys to set up a fake Online reservation site For the Tears of the Jade Mermaid All-You-Can-Eat Buffet And I made a reservation At Tuesday, 4pm And then sent the reservation To a Bennis Company email account They wrote back saying There was a mistake There were no reservations For the Tears of the Jade Mermaid All-You-Can-Eat Buffet I told them If they canceled my reservation, I'd give them a bad review on restaurantreview.com.com, the leading site to review restaurants. Now, because Frank believed his personal mansion slash buffet to be the best in the world, he knew a negative review would hurt him, especially since there were no positive reviews because no one else had ever ate there, Thus, my review would be the only review and his restaurant would be considered bad. Check. And mate. So, the Bennis Company relented and granted my reservation, and with it, my meeting with Frank Bennis because I knew he'd be at the buffet.
0: This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. I
1: showed up for my reservation and was ushered inside by a group of seemingly identical staff. They were the Quan Quintuplets, I found out later. It kept a sense of symmetry for Bennis. They handed me a large white plate and pointed me toward the buffet. As I looked at the piles of food stretched before me, I was in awe. It was so beautiful, they should have sent a poet, I whispered. The pillowy dumplings, the perfectly sliced pork. I took a bite of this and that. I'm not a big, what you would call, foodie, mostly a pizza and whipped cream guy. Nothing was labeled. I wasn't really here for the grub. But I figured I had to at least make a show of it. Maybe they thought it was weird when I put some ice cream on top of the spaghetti. But I didn't realize there was a separate ice cream dish or that the ice cream was made from the milk of a species of zebra that is extinct in the wild, or that spaghetti was handcrafted by a blind Italian tailor who now did nothing but sit in a gilded room and make two feet of spaghetti once a day every day and then put his hands in a warm solution of marinara sauce and liquid silver. To me, it was just food. I sat at a small table and picked up the fork. Just then, a voice
2: called out. You know, that fork is made from pure argon, and noble gas that reacts with nothing so that the atoms in the fork will not disrupt the taste of the food which you so haphazardly piled on your plate. It was Bennis.
1: He was large, but somehow not fat. His face seemed oddly kind, like an uncle who wouldn't spank you with a small cactus. a kind of uncle I never had. He sat down across from me, I considered the fork. If it's made from a gas, how do you get it to be a fork? Sheer force of will, he replied. His eyes scanned my plate. I could tell he was trying to keep his composure. One of the quintuplets came over and asked what I wanted to drink. Tap water, I said. The quintuplet said they had every drink ever dreamed of by man in this or any age. I reconsidered and then said, Cap water with one of those twisty straws. The quintuplet nodded and hit it off. How do you like the food? Bennis asked. His stare bore through my skull. Not literally, mind you, but you know. I'm not big on food. I pushed the plate away. The quintuplet brought the drink, and I slowly drank through my swirly straw, the water doing loop-de-loops. Just who the hell are you? Bennis grabbed the plate and threw it to the ground. The food splattered across the bright white tile floor. As soon as the food fell, several of the quintuplets ran out and began scrubbing the floor. I stood up. I'm Detective Dan Kent, and I'm here about Bosco. Oh! Bennis replied. He smiled. He got up and walked to a large door with a snake carved into the lintel. Let me show you something... I followed him into the room. Inside were a thousand cubbies carved into the walls. Each cubby was a small metal box.
2: Food is life. Food is what we are. Because we are what we eat. I've eaten some of the most amazing meals in some of the most amazing places in the world. You see those boxes? Before each great meal, I fast for one week. I drink nothing but one glass of seltzer water and then I sup. I've done this at Noma, Alinea, El Buli, also a small tin hut in Uzbekistan where they serve the best plov, a dim dim sum parlor down a dirty alleyway in Hong Kong. I want my meal to be pure and then after it's all done, when the meal leaves me, I collect it here, in one of these boxes. Wait,
1: I said, realizing the horror of what I was just told. These are all poop boxes?
2: Mementos of great meals past. They have passed through time, and they have passed through me. Sometimes, I open one, and smell it, and I'm taken back. The whole meal passes again through my eyes. Gross, I yelled. There was once a monastery in the hills of Armenia that would collect their feces in honor of God. This is the same. Only my God is food. And this, all-you-can-eat buffet, my temple. So what are you saying? Do you know what the most dangerous food is, detective? Licorice. No. Pretty sure it's licorice. Live octopus. It's a delicacy in some places in the Far East, but the suction cups on the tentacles can get caught in your throat, and they can choke you from the inside. But most octopuses are dumb. They don't try hard to fight you when you eat them, but imagine the life or death culinary duel with a brilliant octopus.
1: So Bosco is in one of your
2: boxes? No. You see, most octopuses have a very short lifespan, and Bosco was already elderly when he was brought to me. The stress of being abducted by a pickled golem was too much for his little octo-heart. By the time I met him, he was white, flimsy, and dead. They said the
1: same about me in my last physical. I shook my head.
2: I buried him out back in a nice shady spot under an elm tree. If you want to dig him up and take him,
1: Bennis seemed to deflate.
2: He was a broken
1: man. All of this gild and cornbread, dumpling and pomp. It was all to hide that sad little boy. Well, don't do it again, I said. I know I couldn't arrest him. Stealing sea life wasn't a crime because of a corrupt city council ordinance passed in the 1940s. Some councilmen were part of a blowfish smuggling ring. They decriminalized it so they could pawn those puffers without Johnny Law coming down on them. But in reality... Wasn't Venice already in jail? Sure, maybe it was the best jail in the world and it wasn't really in jail, but it was a jail all the same. But like some dumb guy once said, a jail becomes a home when you have the key. And the key to this story? Don't steal. And if you're rich, don't become a weirdo. Donate your money to something good like Ricketts Awareness or a large novelty bra that you set up on the side of the road. And people can take pictures of themselves. Sitting in the cups. Having a good laugh. Yeah, do that. Well, case closed. Pizza bagel eaten. This is Detective Dan Kent signing off. There. Oh, is it off? tonight? I... All right, it's this...
0: Brush Stories is a Roy Gold production. It was written by Jonathan Goldberg with music by David Origlieri. Dan Kent is Nate Kent. Find out more about the show and cast at podmusical.com find out more about ham inside that pig over there wait, is that pig covered in moles oh gross pass the hummus please thanks for listening and have a suntabulous bicuspid of a day
2: the fable and folly network